Hello and welcome to episode 114 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. And joining me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Pretty good. Start of a new week. We hope everyone has a fantastic week. It's uh, the beginning of December, so we're coming up to Christmas shortly. So hope everyone has their Christmas shopping done. I plan on doing mine on the 23rd and 24th of December. As usual, I've I've already got plans to do my Christmas shopping in place, mm-hmm. and typically I should have it started sometime around the 23rd, 24th of May, <laughs> and should be close to completion by about mid to late September. Can I ask you a question? Do you do the thing where it's like you'll you'll turn up at family members' houses and stuff, and the presents are given out? And you're interested in what your family unit has given to, say, other members of the family. We're like, oh, yeah, we knew you'd like that. That's really good. And you look at the wife and you just give her a wink. You're like, yeah, you did good. No, I'm, I'm ashamed at my um, atro- you know, atrocious gift timeliness. Yeah. that I, I, I disappear around that period of time. I don't, I don't want to be shamed. <laughs> Far out! Wow, that's worse than me. There we go. Um, big episode today. Huge. This is important because we've had a lot of Mickey Mouse award ceremonies throughout the year, mm-hmm. and now it's time to get into the proper, the proper awards, the most important ones of the year, and the only. The only rugby league award for the best player in the entire world, the King of Rugby League Awards. There we are. And uh, how about always, that? Always relevant. Yeah, always. Yeah. You go through always the list precise. of winners, markers in history. Exactly. There's no so... no favoritism. There's no there's no panel. There's no judges. It's just one person. Who is the ultimate judge of it all? Yeah. And so I'm going through here just to prove that there's no um, bias here mm-hmm. against against English players. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'll just fair. move on. I'll just move on. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, if England ever produced a player that was the best player in the world, I'd be the first one to give them the award. I'd be like, finally. Unfortunately, that hasn't happened in my entire lifetime. Yeah, so... And this is going to be contentious. Let's mm-hmm. make this clear, okay? Mm-hmm. Obviously, last year, Golden Boot winner was um, some winger. I forgot his name. Yeah. And you had Roger Tuivasa-Shek. Yeah, which... And weigh that up, people. Some unknown winger versus RTS. I mean, what... come on. What was the year that um, Panface won it? Andy Farrell. He won a golden boot. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't believe it's been that irrelevant for that long. I know. He won the golden boot and immediately switched to rugby union, hey? Uh, He got it in 2004. He got Okay, so in 2004, the king of rugby league was Danny Badiris. Now, do you remember the year he had Danny Badiris where... That was him at his best. He was at the top of his game. Uh, 
was the rep player of the year as well. Just and he was the best player in the world. Yeah, he was. He was on fire in two thousand four. There's no doubt yeah. about it. So, what was the year that uh, that uh, Sinfield won it? Sinfield, man, I can't believe he won one as well. I know. It's so I just haven't. I just haven't been paying attention to this. He got the gold boot in twenty twelve. <laughs> So, in 2012, I gave the King of Rugby League award to a bloke called Greg Inglis. Oh, my God. Yeah. Was that the year Kevin Sinfield got the golden boot because he got knocked out in a game? <laughs> and then he kicked the goal? Oh, man. I forgot the yeah, year. You, Someone... you, know the, you know the funny thing about that one is there was a campaign and you felt it building. And it was this weird one in the English media, and they kept on calling him Sir Kev, and it was just based on nothing, and it was like, what are they doing? And then when they named him as the Golden Boot winner, you're like, all right, okay, I see where you went with that one. (laughs) And that was basically the death of that award. Like, it never recovered from that. Now Then they sold it off, and now it's a silver, you know, boot. That they it's a, it's a silver bronze golden boot. Yeah, yeah. That they give to the player that has done whatever they deem to be necessary in their previous like thirteen months or something that they do it over. Yeah, they get to borrow the trophy. Yeah, they don't actually get one to keep. It's just uh, they, you know, they, they get have a, it. they get a replica silver bronze golden boot. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's a bit of a cop out. You can't give out trophies just to keep forever. I mean, who no. does that? <laughs> it's that's madness. Anyways, um, very prestigious award this, mm-hmm. and very accurate. It's been going on just to show you. It's got a bit of history. It's been going on since nineteen ninety three. Pretty, pretty stunning list of winners on it too. Um. Number of Kiwi players. Roger Tuivasa Sheks won it. Uh, Jason Tomalolo from the from Tonga. Um, we had Benji Marshall win it in uh, two thousand and ten. Fantastic immortal. player. Yep, I think so too. Yeah. Um, Andrew Johns has won it a number of times. Greg Inglis has won it a number of times. Brad Fittler's won it a number of times. So yeah, it's. Uh, I I would just say to anyone, go and look through it and tell me if any of the winners were not the best player in the world. Like, try and argue with it, and I think it's very hard to argue with. Exactly. So we'll look here at a few of the awards, and I suppose who, you know, the winners from last year, I guess, to give people an idea as to what to expect in the, the announcements for, you know, tonight in okay. for the 2019 season. So 2018, the biggest story award was Cooper Cronk playing in the grand final with a broken clavicle. Yeah, and I mean, it's hard to go past that. It basically was the big thing that was hanging over the NRL Grand Final. I think that it definitely changed the outlook on Cooper Cronk as a player. I think before that, he was seen as a very handy footballer, very good footballer, but that kind of vaulted him into another level. Certainly did. Um, Must have been hard to pick that over Ivan Cleary going to Penrith. (laughs) I still can't believe that happened the way it did. That was so weird. That was absurd. Um, Rep player of the year, Valentine Holmes. Yeah, killed it. It was great. Absolutely. He crushed it. 
Yeah. Uh, team of the year, Sydney Roosters. Yeah, they had a great season, obviously. And uh, I don't always pick the grand final winners. I try to look at the best team over the course of a whole year. It can be a rep team. It can be a club team. doesn't necessarily have to be the team that won the grand final. Um, if you have a ridiculous regular season where you run away from it and then you lose in a grand final, you still might get it. And there has been teams, I think I picked the Storm one year, when they did something similar to that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, rookie of the year was Jermaine Asako. Yeah, he had a, a great season as a rookie. So I Certainly found it hard did. to go past him. And the King of Rugby League Award went to RTS, Roger Tuvasa-Shek. Yeah. I mean, he had a fantastic year. Um, you know, I think I've said for a, a while now, one of the top three players in the world. And no spoilers going forward from there. Exactly. Um, so, should we get cracking on these awards for this year? Yeah, let's do it. All righty. So first up, we've got the biggest story. Okay, well, the biggest story of the year, I could not go past Sonny Bill Williams signing for the Toronto Toronto Wolfpack. I think it made headlines all, in, all over the world. I mean, in England, it was massive news. In Canada, it was massive. In New Zealand, it was massive. In Australia, it was massive. Um, it kind of happened off the back of the Rugby Union World Cup. It was like the next big thing after that. Um, signing the biggest contract in rugby league or union history and by quite some way. Um, and just the fact that he come back to rugby league as well. I think that that was very, very hard to top um, in terms of the biggest story of the year. I fully agree. Um, especially the, the PR that he's done for Toronto already. Mm-hmm. Um, been hugely, massively well received. So he's yeah. also getting on the whole PR machine and, and working that side of it as well. Um, doing a great job there too. Well, and you've got to say, like, after after deciding to pay that much money for him, hasn't said a single thing wrong. Like, that, not even a hint of, like, it, like he hasn't said even that he, he's just done it for the money, you know, which is obviously that's what he's done it for. But... Um, like, it's talked about how he always wanted to finish his career in rugby league, how he rated his NRL title above winning a rugby union World Cup, all sorts of stuff. So, I mean, he really has just been gold for them. And uh, they've got what they paid for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, were there any other stories that were contenders here? Nothing really jumped out at me, hey? Like, that. this one was probably going to be the one that, I guess it... If if it hadn't have been Sonny Bill and like leading up to Sonny Bill doing doing that signing, this was going to be definitely the diff, most difficult award. I think they this and the main one, the King of Rugby League. Yeah, because um, I was thinking there might have been a few. Well, I mean, can you think of any other stories that? And I find it hard to go close to the Sonny Bill one, but can you think of any other stories that jumped out during the year? Like, um, I've got one. Okay, what one is it? Paul McGregor says that the players look at him as a solution, not the problem. See, I just thought that was a fact. I didn't realize <laughs> that was. <laughs> I know. Was... That, that is genuinely a story. Oh, uh, yeah. 
It's like maybe we should drug test him. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was. You know what? It was one of those years where the big stories seemed to be a lot of regular rugby league stories. Where, like, yeah. one of the big stories this year was Clint Gutherson and his contract stuff. And that's just a regular rugby league story. Like, in 20 years' time, no one's ever going to say, remember Clint Gutherson when he was... They're going to say, remember Clint Gutherson at all? They're never going to say that. No, that's true. That's completely true. Yeah. Um, along with Mitch Moses gets picked to play for Australia. Yeah. <laughs> Mind you, in the nines, but still... How good was that? He, you know what? He was really well suited to the nines. I was. Kind he of was. Shocked. I, I did. I did even say that I thought he'd be good there. Mm. Yeah, I'm not afraid yeah. to uh, to eat the humble pie. That's what I kind of like about the nines is that you might not be, and it's not being not suited to test footy, but you might just be. Your game might be really suited to nines footy, and he was one of those that it was definitely um, suited him. I'll tell you another player. That was like that was Sam Tompkins for England. He was fantastic yeah. at night. Um, two stories I, could, I think you could put in there as serious contenders is Papua New Guinea beats Great Britain. Yeah, that probably caused a lot of. I mean, that caused a lot of repercussions, didn't it? Especially um, over in England. Yeah, I mean that 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 was the one game they thought they were going to win, and that's the one game where they looked least likely to win once the once full time was done. Yeah, and we're kind of lucky that the scoreline wasn't worse as well. Mm. Um, Another one would have been Tonga beating New Zealand and Australia and Great Britain. Hang on, did they beat New Zealand? No, they didn't beat New Zealand. That's right. They beat uh, Great Britain and Australia. Yeah, but um, like that one... See, I think by then, Sonny Bill had signed. And like... But the yeah, Tonga beating Australia would probably be up there, wouldn't it? It was the biggest story. Mm. Um, Man... It's, it's just so hard. Like in any other year, that would have been the biggest story, hey? Yeah. All the big stories came in the space of about three days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was fantastic. All righty. Representative Player of the Year. I went with James Tedesco. His State of Origin series was absolutely outstanding. He was the difference maker. Uh, ended up scoring that amazing try um, in the, the clincher. And... Yeah, just fantastic. And look, people were on his case a little bit playing for Australia. I thought he was very good for Australia as well. Yeah, so, he, was, uh, he was probably he's probably playing at about a seven out of ten for Australia, but you know, nine out of ten for New South Wales. But still, yeah, you can't be going around knocking a seven out of ten. No, no. Um, so yeah, I, I went with James Tedesco there. Obvious other contenders. I mean, you had Jason Taumalolo, obviously, for Tonga. He's an absolute colossus. Um, I thought DCE played really well for Queensland. He um, did. So, yeah, there were there were a few other contenders there, but I thought James Tedesco was very, very good. And that, New South, that running you had for New South Wales, I mean, without him, I don't think we win the State of Origin series. Definitely not. Definitely not. Um, question for you about Tedesco. Yes. He turns 27 early next year. Mm-hmm. How much better can he get? It's a good question. Like, the, like what would you improve on his game? Because his passing game has really come on the last probably 18 months. As does um, his support play. Yeah, yeah. I, 
I, I, like the areas I'm trying to think of the areas where you could see him improve massively. I mean, he's never out of position in defense either. I think if you started seeing him holding players up more, like I feel like with Billy Slater, he was so good at holding players up in goal. Yeah. Um, and he would do those like last ditch efforts where it was like, how did he possibly not allow that guy to score? Um, maybe just adding something like that to his game, but he is just fantastic. I mean, his game, even in the last like two years, two or three years, has gone to such an amazing level. Um, and to think that there were all these raps on him when he was a junior and he got that knee injury straight out the gate and there was a real worry that he wouldn't go on and become a great player and then we've seen him do that. So, yeah, I was I thought for rep player of the year, definitely him. How close was... Uh... Torquiaho and um, Tom Malolo from Tonga. Very close. Tom Malolo especially. Like, I mean, whenever you're talking about the best of anything, he's got to be thrown in there. Um, you know, and as I said, DCA, I thought DCA was great. So that, they were probably the three main contenders for that for me. Absolutely. All right, we'll get on to the next one. Team of the year. You've got a few to choose from here. Yeah. uh, Tong was in with the shot. Very difficult. I I found it really difficult not to go with the Sydney Roosters, though. So I gave the team of the year to the Sydney Roosters. For the main thing of they're the first team to go back-to-back since 92-93 when the Broncos did it. Um, And... I, th- I just felt like the way that they managed their season was absolutely brilliant. They rotated their squad quite a bit. They still had to deal with injuries through the year. Um, I thought Kronk, and it wasn't talked about too much, but I feel like he tailed off pretty hard towards the end of the year. Um, they had the issues with Kiri and his um, concussion issues that they had to deal with, which come at a really bad time for them. Um, so I mean, yeah, friend, was, friend was missing for most of the year with injuries. Yeah, yeah, and the, I tell you the other thing, just playing at the SCG and having to do that, um, well, you know that look, we should be renaming that Latrell Mitchell's house. Yeah, <laughs> with that many last oh God, to score that, that many points was Don Bradman at the SCG. <laughs> he was just unbelievable there. Yeah, yeah, he really was, and um, it's funny because. Like, now when you think of rugby league played at the SCG, I kind of think of Latrell Mitchell just tearing teams apart. Um, yeah, phenomenal year he had, uh, yeah, point scoring-wise. Absolutely mm. phenomenal. Um, how close was St. Helens, given that they absolutely monstered the Super League competition this year? He's, this is the problem with St. Helens, and they dominated. They completely dominated. I've had... English teams win this t- this title in the past. So it's not like I won't pick English teams. But I think that the Super League competition issue was very, very weak. Probably the weakest I can remember. Um, I think the way they played in the Challenge Cup final stood out. And, I mean, they yeah. kind of, in some ways, come home with a wet sail anyway. Um, that Challenge Cup final... Um... That was a massive choke. Yeah, it really was. I I mean, everyone thought they were just going to romp home with it, 
Uh, it was kind of shocking. And, and so, they should have. Yeah, they really should have. Um, if they'd won that, they would have gone very close. But I think, that, I mean, what the Roosters did was n- now considered historic. So that's very difficult to go past. And the other team would have been Tonga. Yeah, Tonga. I mean, Tonga just missed out. Just, just missed out. And like I said before, any other year Tonga gets it. Yeah. Um, and the thing about Tonga's win over Australia, and I've said this before on the podcast, there's no questions about it. There's no asterisk. There's no nothing. They just yeah. flat out beat Australia. And yeah, that's no it. No excuses. Nothing. No players out. Nothing. Straight up the better team. That's exactly right. Yeah. That, and that's the thing I loved about it. Absolutely. All righty. Next one. The penultimate award. Rookie of the year. You've had a few to pick from this year. This is maybe the best rookie class I can remember for a long, long time. Uh, David Fafita in there. Um, the Sharks. Cherry. Bronson Cherry. Yeah. Britton Nakora. Yeah. Like so many great young players, it was kind of ridiculous. At the end of the day, I gave it to Payne Haas and that for a couple of reasons. The first one was the fact that he come into State of Origin and it, it was a moment. Um, it, like you knew you were watching. It was almost like when you'd see a like a, a someone like a young Webke or a young Glenn Lazarus come into a rep team and you're like, oh, he's going to be here for a long time. And then when he went on, and apart from what he did for the Broncos all year, which was stunning, and a young bloke his age has no right to do. And then when he goes into the Australian team and he comes off the bench and he is the best player in the field and he's a forward, like forwards don't do that. Forwards are at their best at the end of, uh, like their end of their 20s. Um, and he's doing it as a teenager. It's crazy. It's crazy. And the thing I liked about him is composure. Mm-hmm. Um, he came into that test site and just looked like he deserved to be there. Yeah. And just fit in. There didn't look to be any nerves whatsoever. He just fit in and came on the field and boosted the Australian side. Yeah. And, like, he come on in uh, the game in Wollongong against New Zealand. He come on with uh, Paul Vaughan. And the boat, the two of them, they were ridiculous together on the field because they're both giants. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the thing about Haas was that it was like bringing on a veteran player. He just steadied the ship, started to go forward, started causing the Kiwis all sorts of problems, and he's been doing that a lot of this year. Like uh, what I mean, what he did in the NRL this year for a teenage prop forward, I I've never seen a teenage prop do that ever. Big human. Mm. Would you like to see him play for the Philippines? I would, yeah. It'd be very cool. Um, I just don't know when it would happen, you know, because... Nah, it's it's got... not likely to, because he's not he's, he's not going to earn pretty much anything playing for the Philippines, and that's part of the problem. Yeah. But it'd be good to see him just turn out for, for a few games, if you could, here or there. Well, you were showing me the field that the Philippines played on earlier this uh not, not earlier this year, a few weeks ago, really, now when we think yeah. about it. And the the thought of 
like the Philippines team running out and with Payne Haas in it, like against, say, Japan. I kind of want to see something like that happen in rugby league. It'd be it'd be like watching ten pin bowling. Yeah, like what what was the game we were watching? It was one of the World Cup qualifiers where we said, "Imagine what it would be like if one of these teams had Jason Talmalolo," and it would kind of be like watching a superhero play. <laughs> yeah, it, it would be fantastic to see. No, really, you know, never know. It, it, I mean, I think it is possible that he can play for Australia and the Philippines at the same time. I feel like it would have to be one of those years where, like, so after the World Cup and maybe a year where Australia says, look, we're only going to play a couple of tests and that's it, and he, he's like, well, this is my chance. You know what I mean? Mm. I think so. Um, he's got a big future in front of him. He really does. All right. Drum roll. Do we have one? Yeah. Here we go. The 2019 King of Rugby League Award for the best player in the whole world from January 1st to December 31st in 2019 is James Tedesco. Hey, hard to argue. Yeah, very, very difficult. He is up against... Jason Talmalolo is an all-time great. And I like, if anybody in the whole world knows how much I love Jason Talmalolo, it's you, right? That's right, yes. Uh, and I like, I watch Cow. I don't miss a Cowboys game because I love watching him play. Rod, so him, Roger Tulvasashek, who I think in a beaten Warriors side was just a colossus as well, did things he had no right to do, um, didn't play bad games. And even as his teammates were playing terribly, the class and the just the speed and the power and the skill, it was just all there every week. Um, even for the Kiwis. He was fantastic for the Kiwis as well. Mm. I think that James Tedesco put together... It was one of the great seasons. You know, right from the, right from the get-go, he was absolutely on fire played through the Origin Series, was on fire, come out of that, was still playing great. Um, you know, led the led the Roosters to a grand final win, back-to-back grand finals, Dalian Player of the Year. I mean, he just was outstanding this year. It was very, very, very close, but he just edged out uh, RTS and Talmalolo. So I couldn't go past James Tedesco. No, I fully agree with you there. I think he's the... Uh... The clear cut winner. And that's the thing that made this, I suppose, this one relatively easy is that when when someone's had a, a season as good as Tedesco mm-hmm. had, it, it's hard to ignore them when it comes to something like this. Yeah, you know, he was just phenomenal this year. He really was, and did it at every level. That was the other thing too. Yeah. Um, and, and at every level was like elite. You know, I felt like. RTS probably could have done a little bit more in the New Zealand versus GB games. Um, Talmalolo didn't play in the finals, which probably hurts him a little bit, even though yeah. he did everything he could for the Cowboys. But, you know, James Tedesco put together a brilliant season, so I thought he was a very deserved winner. And I think that when you look back at this year from a historic standpoint, he is the right winner. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Um, one thing I will say about him, I know it's a term you more often used in the NBA than anywhere else, but I find, even with what happened in the test matches, I find he's one of the best clutch players out there. Yeah, he, like, he's one of those plays, there can be nothing happening, and he makes it happen. Even if there's yeah. there's no breaks, there's no nothing. And the thing that is really cool about the way he plays is when he gets the ball, he makes the opposition panic because he can do that. Yeah. Um, Billy Slater was like that too. Like you, you can see the opposition panic and there's not too many players that have that ability to put absolute panic in the opposition. Um, and for him to be able to do it and to be so good and to be able to finish stuff off. And as I said, his passing game this year was fantastic even. Um, I mean, I guess the only thing you could maybe really add is a kicking game or something like that. But that's yeah. it. Like, that's, that's really it. it. You never know. Next year, you might just start pinging field goals from 50 out. Imagine that, just nailing them. <laughs> just do it for fun. Yeah, I love it when there's a quiet field goal kicker in a team. Like, when, it, when it's a golden point game. It's like, here's a field goal kicker, and then it's like the second row or something because he just nails them at training all day. I love that sort of thing. Valentine Holmes is kind of one of those. Yeah, yeah. He's he just is. a winger, and you just don't think a winger's going to kick me field goals, but he would just nail them from anywhere. Yeah. I just I love that sort of thing where someone is weirdly a specialist at something. Like, Pat, <laughs> and like we look, we take the piss sometimes, but Pat Richards with them. Uh, short kickoffs that weren't really short because they were so high. So mm. the teams could get down there. It just weird things like that. But the other thing I've always loved is when you get somebody that, for whatever reason, just has a massive boot on them. Like uh, Braithen Astor was one of those players that... Well, Laurie Daly was another one. Yeah. But they, whatever it is, whether it's just a, a natural kicking ability or something, they've got a little bit extra compared to all of the elite players where they can put a ball like downfield as long as they want. Would you rate Paul Gallon in the same class when it comes to kicking, given that he's kicked one from two field goals in his career mm-hmm. and two from two goals in his career? Well, I think you've got to put him up there probably with naturally gifted players like Churchill, you know, Messenger, Gallon. I think you have to. With, with, that, <laughs> with that, that goal-kicking ability, I mean, 75% for goals and field goals. Yeah, no one's going to have that. Through his entire career. Through his, his entire, entire career. career. Yeah. Who, who else has done that? Yeah. Top that, people. Well, that, <laughs> that's his club career anyway. I mean, he kicked, he kicked two goals at rep level, one for New South Wales and one for City. I don't remember the City one. Yeah, that was his last City game. I think it was the last City country game. He likes kicking a goal in his last games, hey? He does. And he, they were both one from one, so he didn't... If we had those in there, mm. that's four from four with the goal kicking and one from two with the field goals. I think it's fair Five. to say he's the greatest kicker of all time. Well, we've got a 83%. There you go. With goals and field goals combined. I think we have to say right here, Paul Gallen is the best goal kicker in rugby league history. I'm sure he would agree with you, hey? I have to. <laughs> You'd have to. See, that's what they should have done at the end of his his um, pissy boxing match with, with Bruce Watts' name from the AFL. He mm. just said, you know what, 
if it's a tie, let's just go and have a kicking duel. That would come be on, cool. come on, Bruce. You, you fancy yourself? I bet. Sh- I bet. I bet. What's his name? Never kicked eighty-three percent of the goal attempts he kicked. Maybe we should have an award for the best goal kicker every single year, right? And it's not just includes like the percentage, but maybe kicking those goals that matter, even field goals and stuff like that. Yeah. And make it like something relevant, like a boot that's maybe gold. Yeah, we could because call it it's... the the golden gallon boot. Yes. Yes. That could next work. Year. Next year. Next year. Next year this. All right. Yeah. We've got, got a few more awards. So we've got a team of the year. Yeah, now the from the the ones from now on are quarter a kind of uh um like you and me sat down and sort of talked about these. I talked to you about the other ones too. Um but these ones, this team of the year, we sort of put together together and uh, all the coach of the year and stuff like that. So the team of the year, should I just go down the list? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so the fullback is James Tedesco, obviously. Uh, the wingers were Sivo and Addo Carr. I think it was hard to go past both of those. Yep. Um, the centres we talked about for a little bit, but we set it on, settled on the Trell Mitchell and uh, Joey Manu. For the Roosters, so yes, um, one of the ones really that, past one, them, huh? one of the ones that I'd put in there, mm-hmm. and this will surprise a few people, I guess, was Josh Morris. Mm-hmm. Stunning yeah. season, yeah, just rock solid. Yeah, um, Bronson Cherry had another had a had a good year in his debut year, but uh, yeah, I think the ones we picked were were the clear standout centers of the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, five eighth, we went for Munster. Uh, trailed off a little bit towards the end of the year, unfortunately, but for like 85% of the regular season was just on a completely different level and fantastic if you wanted any time try scorer. Um, halfback of the year, Daly Cherry Evans. That was pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, hooker of the year, Cameron Smith. Yeah, the old fox. Yeah, <laughs> hard to hard to go past him, eh? Yeah, I think it was it was one of those years where I think a lot of people instantly think Damian Cook was just going to win it because he had such a stunning season last year. But yeah, he, he failed to reach those heights this year. He was still good, but there'd be times when he just sort of went a bit quiet in games. And Cameron Smith didn't really have that. Like he no. he was playing part games at hooker, and then when Brandon Smith came on, he was sort of playing as a first slash second receiver at times during the game. So and you're still having a huge impact, and obviously, I mean, Melbourne had a dominant season this year, and you know, made it all the way to the, you know, deep into the final. So yeah, I can't see any reason why he didn't deserve to have it. I think the other thing with Smith too is that he was so super consistent this year. Like, if you had to do a rating from his best game to his worst game, you're going like between, like, it, it, he never went below an eight. He was just phenomenal all year. Uh, fantastic. Um, Tokeaho and Haas were our props of the year. Uh, that, once again, I think was pretty straightforward. I, I think we that was one of the ones we kind of nailed pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, second rowers, David Fafida, who had an outstanding year. 
and Kenny Bromwich, which I was so glad because I said to you, look, I think one of them's Kenny Bromwich, and you agreed 100% straight away, and I was like, I'm glad I wasn't just thinking that myself. Uh, he had a phenomenal season, and he's, he's been one of those quiet achievers for a long time. It just sort of, he's a toiler, mm-hmm. but he's also a good line runner, and he, he can he can fill in anywhere in the forward pack. Um, damn good competitor. And, and he'd thing- be one of those few Storm players who would actually be good at any club he went to because he does that hard work. Yeah, and the thing I liked about him this year especially was that at times when Craig Bellamy asked him to do things that were maybe you would traditionally think were a little bit outside of his wheelhouse, he would do it and he would do it really well. Mm. Um, so that that was one of the things I really liked about him this year. Um, so lock of the year, Tamalolo, pretty straightforward. Um, we also picked a bench, bench players. So for the bench players, we had uh, Jake Trebojevic for the Manly Seagulls, who, I mean, he was kind of like Smith. His, his worst game was probably an 8 out of 10. Yeah, God, he's, uh, he's such a fucking good player. Man, I, I, I love watching Jake Trebojevic play. Yeah, same here. He's another one that I can watch him play. It just, you know, don't really, not interested in his team, just enjoy watching him play. Yeah. So that's, he was fantastic. Another bench player that we selected was Cam Murray, who had a, a brilliant season. Um, kind of exploded out of nowhere and was just like, just great. <laughs> yeah. Look, I I don't think many people other than maybe South fans, I guess, probably expected that he'd have the season he did. And there looks to be no reason why he can't build on that and keep going. Yeah, 100%. It's like it's going to be interesting to see what he adds to his game from this point mm. um, because I feel like he could be one of those players that ends up with a little bit of ball playing and, and just things that he can add to his game where he's a little bit of a fixer for a team that has maybe some holes in it. So we'll see how that goes with him. Um, Pappenhausen, we selected him on the bench. He was brilliant for the Storm. I mean, he um, just, I mean, look, he was he was a West Tigers junior, um, but he was stuck behind James Tedesco. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, the club knew he had to go. So they let him go to the Storm. He was developed by them. The Tigers, though, probably didn't bank on the fact that they were going to lose two top quality fullbacks in the space of 12, 18 months. Mm-hmm. But if anyone's going to do that, the Tigers are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, he's he exploded on the scene. Had a phenomenal year. So good that he he forced he forced team changes. Yeah, like Bellamy couldn't leave him out of the side anymore. Yeah, it, it, you just had to have him somewhere out there. So um, a great great player and a great season he's had. And number seventeen, RTS couldn't leave him out. Um, would be unless Tedesco had the season he had. RTS is a walk-up start for fullback. Yeah, but we couldn't right. leave him out the seventeen. Not at all. And there was one player I thought of that probably could have would have gone close. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. Wanna, I'm not saying making changes, but he would have gone close. Would have been Wade Graham. But his season was hampered by injuries and games missed. But when he did play, no matter what game he played, my God, he had an impact. Yeah, and another one of those players where it's like the coach can have faith in them to be a bit of a fixer on the field. You know, if you don't have enough ball-playing ability in your halves or something, you can put Wade Graham out there and know that he's going to just f- 
fill in a bit of the hole there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he he had a great year. It's just a shame, as you said, that it was a bit bit injury-affected, which his seasons have been like that for a while now. Yeah, but I tell you, he's another one of those players who I love watching. Yeah, same here, same here. Normal he's, he'd probably been your top three players to watch, like your yeah. top three favourite players, Ab- mate. Absolutely, absolutely. Huge fan of Wado. So, coach of the year, yeah. we selected John Morris from the Sharks. Now, yes. do you want to tell people why we selected John Morris for the Sharks? Ooh. Well, I'll, I'll go with what, what I, why I think he should be there, and you can chuck in your two bit uh, at the end there. But um, okay. he came into that club in immense turmoil with Flanagan getting the sack. Um, what was at the start of the year? There mm-hmm. was a whole yacht club stuff that went on with the club and all the players were misbehaving. Um, he came into the club, he sorted a lot of that out and then blooded some fantastic juniors as well who nailed their position in the side and forced, you know, also forced the club to make changes so to include them all in there. Bronson Cherry... Ronaldo Militalo, um, Britton Okora, you know, those, those guys, stunning seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, forced a few changes, and now they're looking at the situation where they don't need Matt Moylan anymore. Yeah. You know, it's it's unbelievable. Um, and then, yeah, he managed to, to keep them consistent enough to get them to the finals. Um, they weren't disgraced at any time throughout the season, other than, yeah. I think, was it the game they played against the Storm down here when they were on a hiding to nothing because they came down here for Cameron Smith's 400th game? Yeah, and I look, anybody that turned up there was going to get smacked. <laughs> yeah, it was such a bad, bad moment. Um, and yeah, I mean, the Sharks would have finished higher on the ladder too had it not been for woeful goal kicking. Mm-hmm. So their season could have been a lot better had their goal kicking been different. So they also went from being a boring, dull, defense-mad defense, defense mad team that Flanagan had them running as to a team that was willing to throw the ball around and score some tries. Mm. And, like, but, he also took them from, like, a, a definite old side to, like, now the thing that you think about when the Sharks would see younger players. Yeah. Yeah. They've got some good youth there, and um, it's looking like a, a, a good season. A good few seasons are coming up for the Sharks, too, as they make that transition from the the Flanagan Gallon era. Now that those two have now left the club. Yeah. We're now uh, in the uh, Morris Graham era. Yeah. <laughs> the thing for me about Morris is that he had every single excuse you could have to have a disaster of a year. He's a rookie coach. He's stepping in for a coach that is getting banned for life for the next 10 months. And, like he's got players that are about to retire. He's got players with injuries. He's just been lobbed with a very high-profile signing in the halves that isn't kicking goals or playing well. He's got the Matt Moylan, who like, what do you do with that? There were so many reasons for this to be an absolute failure of a season for the Sharks, and it was the complete opposite. It was an outstanding, successful season, considering so. I thought for him to be able to take over that situation and never allow it to turn into a panic situation 
and he always seemed like he was in control. And I think if you look at the way he carried himself compared to someone like Seabolt, I think that shows where, you know, the, the coach, he really is the leader of the entire club at the end of the day. And exactly. Morris did an, just an outstanding job. And, you know, couldn't go, we couldn't go past him. We talked about this all year and we were, we'll say, man, I think he's the coach of the year, you know, and that was about halfway through the year. And we kept on trying to work out why that might not be the case as the year went on. And it never changed because of what he managed to do in that situation. So really well deserved for him. Yeah, fully agree. Um, phenomenal effort for him. Um, so yeah, that was, I think that's, that's far better team of the year, coach of the year, best player in the world than, than any other award that's been out there. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, uh, I think it's fair representation of where the game's at. Um, I think it's rewarded the right people. And yeah, I, I, I'm pretty happy with that list that we've, we've put together and, um, for James Tedesco, as I said, I think James Tedesco, when you look back as a marker in history for 2019, it had to be James Tedesco. Absolutely, yeah. I don't think it was, it was one of those years where it wasn't even up for debate. Yeah. Um, sure, there were two others that were pretty close, but Tedesco was always going to be the winner there. Yeah. Now, we've got a few other awards. Yeah, some more fun ones. Some more fun ones. So the first one we're going to look at is... Um, Given a lot of people have now got a pretty clear indication of our feelings towards rugby league journos, we've decided to have a Journalist of the Year award. Um, there's three nominees. So third place went to... Danny Widler. Danny Widler. Well, yeah, and why did we give it to Danny Widler? Uh, oh, that's right. It was for uh, constantly interviewing the wives of players. Yeah, good on him. <laughs> You go to the source, you talk to the women, the wives and yeah. girlfriends. Getting his right ear in the, in, the, in the shot. So many scoops, yeah, that looking at behind his right ear. He, like, you know how some, like, people that have their hands on camera, they get manicures and stuff. Do you reckon he gets some sort of ear treatment? Oh, he'd have to. He'd get it trimmed and waxed. Yeah. Like, he goes in and says, i got to make sure there's no ear hairs or anything like that. Got to make sure that cut is nice and uh, nice and straight behind the ear, all that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm making up stuff to make the back of someone's ear sound good. I don't know what the back of a good ear looks like, but all I know is we, I we, bet we Danny Widler does. We can probably say Danny Widler has the sexiest right ear in the world. Yeah, <laughs> it's up a right ear that'll give a man a chub. There you go. Uh, second place for hard hitting journalism. Buzz Rothfield. Sorry, um, Buzz. You only come in at second. Um, yeah. And Buzz got this because, well, his spotted articles were just gold all year. Um, you, if you ever wanted to, to read the most boring um, celebrity-type news you could ever find, it's Buzz's spotted column. So one we remembered and laughed at the most was... Um, when he spotted Josh Dugan taking his dog to the vet. Yeah, that was one of the high points in journalism in 2019. That should be up for a Walkley. Um, <laughs> the, another, like, 
I tell you what, if you're a rugby league player and you've ever had a coffee or walked into an IGA, you haven't been missed by Buzz Rothfield in his spotted spotted he's, column. He's so. spotted you. Yeah, but the the winner, and and I think a clear winner. I I want to get, I want to hand this one over to you, Andrew, because this was. I feel like you really enjoyed this one. So tell us the winner of the right. Rugby League Journalist of the Year. The winner is none other than James Hooper. And it's all for his story about Latrell's car that he doesn't own. That's a Mercedes. That's $250,000, but it isn't because it's only worth $75,000, $80,000. Just um, tremendous just journalism. No research. No. Just all he's say trying to create some sort of agenda. Uh, man, it was it was painful. So painful really? we decided to do an entire episode on him. Um, you know so what? Yeah. I've I've just thought this needs to be the Staff Writer Journalist of the Year Award. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Sponsored by Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! Is that where they sponsor us two hundred and fifty thousand dollars? But it's actually nothing at all. Yeah, they just sent us a check for like thirty dollars. Yeah, yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, we'd still cop it. Yeah, there's uh another award here, which we 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 got a bit um clever with the title for it, one. Yeah, the, the uh, go yeah, on, go. you go for it. You 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 go for it. All right, this is the uh, brand new without tag awards. <laughs> And I'm going to hand it over to you, Andrew. Yeah, so this is for the player who got least dirty. So he could probably go onto eBay and sell his jumper, brand new without tags. Um, Mitchell Moses. Had to give him something. Well done, Mitchell Moses. You've made yeah. it. He's uh, constant running to the running towards the line and then dumping the ball as quickly as he could to someone else to take the hit or kicking to the corner. Um Phenomenal this year, and more so because he finally had two good wingers who could catch and actually turn his panic kicks into tries. So Mitch Moses picked up a ton of try assists for for that um, and didn't get his jumper wet or dirty. Yeah, it was a very good effort. I tell you what, he he beat out his teammate, Clint Gutherson, who uh, fullback doesn't like running the ball back. So Yeah. Um, and that's... I mean, that's the best backhanded compliment I can give Mitch Moses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's as good as it gets from you. <laughs> there's, there's very little compliment, and there's a brick in the backhand. <laughs> now, we had this one award. Oh, yep. we, we've got another award. Another the, uh, the, the James Seguiaro Award for uh, getting your career back on track and then fucking it up. And the winner is James Seguiaro. Not again. Again. Oh, he's Just, the only player to have done this. Yeah, it's like multiple-time winner. Is this, is, this the, is this the fourth time he's won it now? <laughs> It'd be pretty close. <laughs> this is definitely the most serious time that he's on the award, that's for sure. He won't I mean, be playing again for like four good. years. There's only been three winners of this award. There's Arana Tomata <laughs> and Moses Sully. Yeah, Moses Suli. I mean, man, Moses Suli. Sometimes you just got to eat like McNuggets and fall asleep in your car before training. I get it. And I they're totally not trained. Yeah, and they're not trained and then get sacked. It happens three, four times. But yeah, 
couldn't go past James Seguiaro this year. So well done, James. He went that well. Um, I did. I did have one. I just thought of. Okay. The Kleenex and Cuddles Award. <laughs> yeah. I'd be giving that to Ryan Madison because training was too hard. Well, you know, whenever the coach gets the best out of you by overtraining you, you don't want that. No, no, no. It's too hard. Yeah. Don't like it. I'm going to tell mum. Just want to put in like 70%, not 100%. Yeah, don't make me work for my money. Yeah. I like the idea that he was at the Tigers and he feels like he's been worked too hard. Took all of September off, by the way, for some strange reason. Oh, that's right. Didn't make the finals, did you, you fuck? And so he looks around and he says, where's the best place I can be a bludger? Parramatta Eels. He looked around. I mean, he did, he did look at a few clubs. Yeah, he settled on Parramatta. Yeah, he'll go well there. Um, who also bolstered their pack with um, Regan Campbell-Gillard. Yep. And who else did they get? They've got a bunch of former Panthers now. They've got uh, Wacker Blake, or yeah. Wanga Blake, as I should Wanga say. Blake. Um, who was the other? Didn't they get another play mid-season? Oh, they, they probably did. I'll take them all. If they're yeah. off contract, I'll take them all. Why especially, not? If especially if their surname, is, especially if they're related to any of the other players there, or, you know, like a Jennings. We'll take yeah. them. Jennings? Oh, he's got a brother? Yeah. Yeah, we'll take him. Yeah. That's a a pretty thorough award session, mate. That is, yeah. The only award we couldn't really come up with a winner for because we really couldn't work out the criteria was the I Don't Sweat Award. Um, (laughs) We're trying to work out the criteria for it. It's hard. Let's be honest. Um, I I did have a different name for it. I was going to call it the Prince Andrew Award. Yeah. But yeah. there's, a, there's a few too many connotations attached to that that were not not at all um, relating to rugby league. So we, we decided to ditch that idea. Yeah, but still, but the, I feel the like... I Can't Sweat Award. I Can't Sweat Award. I wish that it was uh, I mean, you, serious. You, you, said, um, you said Sam Burgess because of his, uh, his time in judiciary. Yeah, like, it kind of in the way of, like, you know, as Shaggy would say, it wasn't me. Yeah. You know? And possibly Prince Andrew, too. <laughs> um, um, the other one would have been Josh Maguire, thinking about it now. Yeah. You know what I was thinking about that when we were talking about it before? Um, because he was another one. Who was the other player that got away with the eye? Get- oh, uh, George Burgess. Yeah, yeah. God, that was a horrible one, though. He's, he was up to his elbow and Robbie Farris forward. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, that's... that's. Um, I think that's pretty much all of them, isn't it? Yeah, pretty... Yeah, yeah. We, there were no more awards that I've got listed here. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. We've run out. Um, we do have a review. Oh, okay. Read out the review and who it's from. This is, uh, it says, a podcast hosted by two men who have great on-air chemistry, are funny, and know what they're talking about. It is the only league podcast that I know of that continues through the off-season, and it's an easy way to keep up to date with all those NRL news, whether that be discussing player transfers, contract updates, off-field shenanigans, or Fox Sports' very own staff writer articles. <laughs> Can't wait for the next episode. Keep up with the good work. And that's from Cava 91 
Excellent. Thank you so much for that. That's that's brilliant. That's going um, on the website. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'll get that on there this week. Um, yeah, because that's the plan. That's The plan is to put all of the nice uh, reviews on the website. So, yeah, thank you for that. That's uh, wonderful. Absolute cracker. And uh, I feel obliged to ask. Mm-hmm. Got any emails? This always fills five minutes as the... Uh, the computer goes into the process of connecting to the dial-up. We need to get a dial-up modem noise on here for this point. We really do, hey? Ba-doing, ba-doing, ba-doing. It's, it's actually logged me in pretty quickly, and no, there's none. Oh, wow. Oh, hang on, let me see. Uh... Got any spam, at least? <laughs> let me see. Um, we should we read out the spam ha- one day. Yeah, the spam. Spam folder doesn't fill up that quickly, actually. Um, we've got one here from uh, Chris Kil- Kilimanis. Um, I hope I've said your name right. He You're said, "Hey, mate." <laughs> probably. Uh, I said, "He said, hey, mate." As I was writing the last, oh, he's sent another email. Okay, I ring his first one. G'day, boys. Against my better judgment, I tend to follow loads of footy on social media accounts and pages, so my timeline wasn't congested with politics and other useless stuff. Uh, oh yeah, did you see this about the the emotional connection ratings for teams? No. Okay, so there was a thing that came out, and it was like it said that like the most emotionally connected Australian sports teams. Well, I can't remember who was number one. It might have been like the women's soccer, and then after them, it was like the women's rugby sevens. And you kind of went down the list. Like one of them, uh, I believe, was like a a women's um, hockey team or something like that. It was a weird kind of list. And it reminded me of the list that would come out in the the mid to late 90s that would say like the most popular sport in Australia was golf. Do you remember those? Yeah. You know, and it was just another one of these weird lists like that. Um, Anyway, one of the... The top side in the NRL for emotional connection was the Melbourne Storm. Hmm. And after them, it was South Sydney. And after them, it was North Queensland Cowboys. Emotional connection. Yeah. The, <laughs> 16th on the list, Cronulla Sharks. It's <laughs> <laughs> because uh, you've got to be a psychopath to follow them. I've got to ask, were the Tigers ninth? <laughs> oh my god, please. No, that was sixth. Oh, oh that sucks. I, I can't trust this list. No, this That's list sounds like bullshit. Yeah. Ah, damn. If they'd have been ninth, I would have just. I would have walked out. You would have you had know, to have given, finished on your own. Given, given the crowd numbers, how are yeah. the Titans not worst? Well, the Titans were second last. Fair enough. I love that the Sharks are last. I'm sorry. It's fucking <laughs> hilarious. I don't get how they are, though. Like Their fans have, have stuck around through an awful lot of shit, whereas the Titans fans, they, they cop like two or three losses in a row and go, ah, fuck this. I'll, I'll go watch the bloody, some other crappy team that the Gold Coast has that comes last all the time anyway. <laughs> um, You know who's third last was the Penrith Panthers? That's surprising. Yeah. I, I don't know how they calculated this, hey? I'd love to know how they calculated it. Mm. It was by a company called True North Research. 
True North. Yeah. Like, I can make, say you're the Melbourne Storm, like, their Storm fans are pretty fanatical. And I could see if it's an emotional connection thing, maybe that plays into the hate factor as well. But if there was a hate factor, then I don't think you'd see the Sharks in last place. No, that's right. Where were Brisbane ranked on there? Brisbane ranked seventh. See, I find that quite low for them. Look at Seabold's done to him. He's knocked him down to seventh. People aren't uh, caring much about the Broncos anymore. Exactly. I mean, like, put it this way, Manly Seagulls were 10th, so hate doesn't factor into this at all. Oh, actually, um, emotional attachment, I want to know. Dragons. 12th. Wow. Yeah. Given given how much anger the fans have towards their, their club and their coach, man, I thought they'd be, they'd be like, crazy low. Yeah, it just, I, it doesn't really make sense, this list, hey? No, it doesn't. They should have asked us to do it. They should have, yeah. We're good at lists and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, Chris was like, he's got no idea how they managed to discover these statistics, but it seems utterly pointless and a load of drivel. And he had a couple of questions to ask. Um, His first question was, how creatively bankrupt are NRL media types and does this shit content actually damage the game or does it do fuck all? And his second question was, what is the most ridiculous slash useless measure of statistics that that's ever existed? <laughs> Maybe one about haircuts or something. <laughs> well, on the first one, I think I think more and more people are, are seeing the garbage in the rugby league media and not mm-hmm. paying as much attention to it anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, as we're seeing with the likes of James Hooper especially, is... They're now not bothering with great content or even good content. They're now just trying to make a clickbait headline and that's it. Yeah. So even that, even the journos have learnt that people aren't interested. You've got to do everything you can to try and entice them to click that button and that's where all their good content is, is the headline. I think anybody that's even slightly engaged in rugby league at all, they basically write off anything the media says for the most part. Um but I think that it still probably has an effect on people that only barely take any, pay any attention to rugby league. Um, that's the and, thing. That's and the people thing who I've want to hate on the game. Yeah, yeah, they use it as, um, as fuel, and yeah, I see this. You know, yeah. So on, on the second one, what's the biggest? What's the most useless and ridiculous statistic do you reckon that you've ever heard? Okay. I've got one here. This might be a bit contentious. Mm-hmm. One I find that's somewhat useless is completion rates. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you think about it, okay, if you've got 100% completion, that means you've probably played so ultra-conservative mm. that you've not lost the ball. But at the same time, when you think of the most conservative attacking team in the NRL, you're going to think of the Dragons. Yeah. And they couldn't score points for much of the year because they just don't know how. So having 100% completion isn't exactly the greatest thing ever. And having 50% completion, while also not fantastic, is also a sign that a team is willing to throw the ball around and or they're just a team full of idiots. But <laughs> you don't, you're not going to get a team full of idiots in the NRL. Yeah. Um, so it's probably a sign that they're, they're lacking discipline but it's because they're trying to create something. So they're probably a bit more entertaining to watch. Um, See, the, Titans, feel... the Titans might be a team that's similar to that. 
see, I feel like there's probably a threshold. Like once you get a, and I'm just picking out a number, but say once you get above seventy, like you've that's a you get your pass mark, and then that's when you're in that realm of well. You know the difference between seventy and eighty-five percent doesn't really matter much because the team getting eighty-five percent not isn't doing anything with the ball. You know, um, you know they're just doing five hit-ups and a kick. So, I but I feel as though you've got to hit a certain marker, and then beyond that, everything's just like it's just the flow of the game. Whatever's happened, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um... I tell you another one that I that and it's not an official stat, but there's one that. I think Channel 9 puts up and it's like the, it's called something like the Telstra tracker. Is that the intensity thing? Intensity, that's it, yeah. And it's like they don't tell you how it's done or what it rates or anything. They just give you a number. (laughs) And it's like, what the fuck is this number? Like, it could be anything. That that intensity one is weird. Yeah. I, I, I think it's based... I'm guessing. I think it's based somewhat on um, heart rates, mm-hmm. and I think their idea is the more, the higher the heart rate, the the more intense someone is. I'm guessing they've, it's it's something along those lines. They've never met James Hooper. <laughs> what do you reckon his resting heart rate would be? He's a journalist. He doesn't have a heart. <laughs> if, if he had one. I'm, I'm guessing triple figures. Well, I, I always just put all journalists into the same thing. If you like, you know, when there's uh, like serial killers and they've just got a resting heart rate, no matter what you say to them, because they don't get affected because they're just wired wrong. That's what journalists are like as well. Yeah, but Hooper's a bit different. He's always upset about something. I think he just pulls an angry face. <laughs> <laughs> this is my serious face. Yeah. He's got resting, boorish, idiot face. <laughs> Don't we all, though? Oh, I went, you, you know what? I've got one of those faces. I look fucking angry when I'm rested. <laughs> that's, uh... I wonder I wonder if that term will catch on, actually. Resting, rested. boorish, idiot face. Rested, boorish, idiot. Well, let's force that to be a thing next year. We'll, like, we'll get that going. Yeah, yeah. We need All to right. start um, forcing things like that onto people, I feel. Like, I know Try that we like to get people involved and stuff, but at some point we've got to use our power for, like, evil. For evil. For our own nefarious reasons. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, oh. with great power becomes comes great responsibility, and we've got the responsibility to push things out there now. That's right. We need to get something trending next year. Yeah. That's something for us to work on in the off-season. You know what? I've seen things trend in Sydney with not too many tweets. Yes, I, yes. I, I think that I can make some things trend in Sydney that are really <laughs> fucked up if we all work together as one. Uh, this sounds somewhat exciting and some t- somewhat worrying at the same time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now that we're at, now that we're at the top, Andrew, let's ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> let's destroy this thing. <laughs> oh shit! You know, um, 
it's called sea bowl in it. <laughs> we've we've had some good response in the off season to the uh, the history episodes we've done, mm-hmm. and we've got a few more lined up. We've got some, you know, a few unique ones. We've got a, a fair old list of history stuff we're going to look at, not just back from way at the start of the game, but even some of the more recent stuff as well. Um, I mean, we might just keep a lot of that under wraps and just surprise you with it. But there's going yeah. to be more history content coming up. I think that's the way to do it, yeah. Um, yeah. People loved the 1917 uh, episode. You did a fantastic job with that. That was, I mean, that was dead set all you. Um, so, yeah, we got a fantastic response from that. Um, and it's weird because when we started off this podcast, we were like, let's talk about history and weave it into like the modern day game a little bit. And we kind of, all of a sudden we're talking about eating different meats and things like that. But people are like, yeah, give us more history podcast. So we're going to do more of that. Yeah. We're going to go back to what, to what our um, roots initially started as. Yeah. Yeah. Which is going to be pretty cool. Um, also got a special for, for Christmas time, which we've got to get around to recording sometime soon and get that out there for you all. Yeah, we might uh, record that sometime this week, hey? Sounds good. Yeah. Um, yeah, and if there's anything you want to chat about, you want to get a mention, um, you can hit us up on Twitter, at Fergo Freak Pod. Um, we're also on Facebook, on LinkedIn. You can send us an email at uh, podcast, podcast at, at com. Yep. And we're always available. We're always up for a chat. Absolutely. If you've Get got involved. you'd like to hear as a guest, let us know. Yeah. Uh, um, if you can hook us up with someone. Yeah. If you've got someone that you know that's like wants to talk to us, just give us the word and we'll get in touch with them and all that sort of thing. Um, if yeah. you want. <laughs> yeah, if we feel like it. Um, we've even got a few people starting to starting to have chats with us on our on our YouTube channel on our, on each video there. So you can go over there and have a bit of a yarn too if you want. Yeah, what's the name of the Welsh fan? Do you remember oh, his name? We got a, we've got a we've got somebody that sends a lot of messages to us on our YouTube, and he's I th- we think he's Welsh because anytime I say anything uh, historically accurate about Wales, he has a go at us about it and says that, like, I'm biased or something, because, as I've said, in the whole history of Welsh rugby, they've produced less talent, way less talent, than the Penrith District has. And he, he doesn't like it when I say that. So he I gets try a bit cranky over that. Yeah, I try and say that as often as possible. I'll just go onto the YouTube channel and find yeah. one of those episodes where we... But we had a See, bit of a, uh, a a dig at the Welsh. See, this is what Andrew now knows what it feels like when he says to me, have we got any emails? <laughs> <laughs> so, lucky you don't sweat. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> oh, what, was, what was one that we, um, where we had Probably, a dig at the Welsh? Was I think he replied to the maybe the Great Britain one, the Great yeah. Britain episode, maybe one of those. Yeah. Um, what's wrong with what's this? Is it here? I mean, his last name was obviously going to be Davies or something. Here we go. I think it's Patrick Oliver. Okay. 
he tends to leave us with it. He leaves he leaves long ones, doesn't he? He tends to, yeah. Yeah. Which is cool. We like it. Yeah, we I don't know. We're all keen on it. Sometimes we'll leg you one and get him to talk some more. Yeah. Yeah, it's Patrick. There we go. There you go, Patrick. You sound like you're Irish, Patrick. Irish Patrick. Shall shall we be casually racist and just call him Paddy? Paddy. (laughs) (laughs) Every Irish dude should be just called Paddy. Yeah. Is there anything wrong with that, though? His his surname's O-Furniture. O-Furniture. That's terrible. Here he is. Here's his famous comment. Okay. This is when Tonga beat Australia, Great Britain lose to a poor New Zealand team in international footy round. And he started off with, oh, you knew I'd tune into this episode. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> so uh, he, he wrote quite a lengthy one there. Get in there and have a chat with him. Yeah. He, he's a bit loading. He needs stirring up. Yeah, we need more comments on our, our YouTube page. Yeah, get over there, so, subscribe, like all the videos, all that sort of jazz. Get in, get involved. Yeah, we love interaction. Yeah. Um. Anything else? Any shout outs or anything you want to want to get out there? Um, a shout out to uh, James Smith. He he pumped out our episode nineteen seventeen. He said how he said I think he said it was his favorite episode. Yes. Um, and I think Julie said that that was her favorite episode as well. Um, so that was really nice to hear from both of them, but yeah, just, uh, Sam, Sam is always retweeting our episodes and that Richard Cranium always retweeting it and stuff like that. So it doesn't go unnoticed. Thank you so, so much for doing that. Yeah. And the good thing about Sam too, is he, he usually always, um, shares the YouTube one, which we never bothered mm. to do. So he's, he's doing a fair bit of PR work for us there. He really is. Like, I don't even know how he shares it, to be honest. But I see it pop up, and I'm, it's funny. I'll see that, like, the headline pops up, and I think, man, that sounds interesting. Oh, that's our podcast. <laughs> uh, I've, I've got a shout-out for uh, Scott Mendieta, who subscribed to the podcast last night. Oh, nice. It's good to have you on board, Scott. So you can follow him at AUS Tigers. So it sounds like he goes for the same <sighs> underperforming team that I go for. So I feel your pain, mate. Yeah, poor bugger. That's right. I feel, just feel sorry for him now, I. Yeah, well, that that's what we 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 live on the um, sympathy of others. <laughs> nice. Alrighty, well, another great episode wrapped up. Yeah, yeah, it's a good start to the week. Hopefully, everyone enjoys it. And the best player in the world is James Tedesco. How about that? There you go. We'll see if we can punch out a ton of episodes this week just to keep you all busy. Yeah, we've got to keep ahead of Julie. Exactly. She's catching up. Yeah, we can't have that. That's right. All righty. Um, thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll catch you in the next episode.